before I say that, I, I was sitting here next to our speaker, and he looks over at my jacket and says, hmm, I haven't seen anything like that since Barnum and Bailey. <laughs> I said, you think that's something? How long has it been since you've seen blue suede shoes? Help me welcome Bob D. from Las Vegas, speaking about sponsoring using the three legacies. The fact that we have similar shoes on makes me want to go home and write an inventory. Uh, and, and this, are you on some sort of registry? <laughs> I'm Bob Darrell, and I am alcohol. Oh, I'm Bob D. I'm an alcoholic. I, say, I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, that's uh, never. I don't want to get to go down that rabbit hole. I am. Uh, I have a sobriety date. Those things are important in AA. Uh, it's October thirty first, nineteen seventy eight. I have a home group. It's called the Connect the Dots Group in the hitting bottom capital of the world, Las Vegas. And if you attend that group, the members of that group know that that's my home group. I have jobs there. I serve there. It's very important. I have a sponsor uh, who knows he's my sponsor. He's, he's, he just passed 92, so there may come a day when he doesn't. But, but right yeah. Right now, he knows he's my sponsor. <laughs> I, you know, I joke around about that, but the truth is, um, I, that is a sadness inside of me, his getting older. I mean, watching his light dim is, whew, it's, uh, it's, I don't even, I, I, it's just, it's overwhelming. It's, he's, he's been such a great, a great beacon of, um, encouragement for service he's held the bar high for me because he's been doing this thing non-stop every day for over 60 years and yeah i know geez and it's wore him out too um and i i have a relationship with god which is equally as odd because i came here an atheist uh, sort of. I wanted to be an atheist, but I. truth is, I, I've known some real atheists. You have to be very religious about your atheism to be a good atheist. I'm, I, I'm not that, I don't have that much conviction or angst about it. I'm just, I'm just afraid of God. I'm just, I just, I'm actually, in the core of my being, I'm ap absolutely convinced if there is a God, I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? I, I just, I'm too bad at being good and too good at being bad, and I just, you know. And if I just suspect you're not going to like me, I won't like you first. And so I'm sort of a wannabe atheist. And I have a relationship with God today. And I honor that relationship because I talk to him. It's pretty hard to have a relationship with someone you don't talk to. And I take actions in all those areas. Um, you know, I, 
I, when it comes to sponsorship, I, God, I've made so many mistakes. I, I started, my, my first sponsor was a tremendous servant in Alcoholics Anonymous. He'd been a delegate. Matter of fact, he was the delegate. The, the, his second time at the General Service Conference was when Bill died and all the craziness that went on then. Everything from Clarence Snyder's letter to the money pouring in that nobody knew what anything to do, what to do with the panic that Lois kind of came and brought a calming voice to the conference. And and when I got sober, he was the guy. I mean, he, there were, truly was no one in Las Vegas that was more involved in Alcoholics Anonymous than he was. He he was one of the founding members of the Las Vegas uh, Roundup, the convention, the retreat, the the TIE club, which was the first non-profit uh, clubhouse for a, a hall to hold AA meetings in Las Vegas, the Samaritan House, the first non-profit men's recovery house. If, if it would serve drunks in Alcoholics Anonymous, you can bet he was attached to it somehow through his actions. And what a tremendous example for a guy who's not prone to action, to have him as my sponsor. I mean, I, I like action, but I, I like to sit back and consider things first for a while. And, and if, if you meet my standards, I might do something. I'm the guy who wants to, could be freezing to death in the woods on a cold winter's night, and I'm not going to put any wood into the fireplace until I get a fire first. You know, I'm that guy. I, I, um, and I had this sponsor who uh, encouraged me. Didn't it wasn't even encouragement. I didn't even know it was negotiable. He got me in service right away. My, I wasn't uh, sober, but a little bit. And I'm, I'm gonna have a position on the Las Vegas Roundup. He had me doing 12-step calls uh, early. I mean, early. He had me taking doing H and I before we even had H and I. But he used to bring meetings into the detox twice a week. And so I took meetings into the detox twice a week. And he got me to sign up for the prison and all that other stuff. And he pushed me into general service and intergroup first. And then general service, I did nine years uh, in that. Uh, remarkable experience for me. Uh, tedious at times. Difficult at times. And wonderful, as all great things we do in our own recovery uh, are usually inconvenient and tedious. And that's where, the, that's where you guys like me vest themselves through my actions in Alcoholics Anonymous by doing the inconvenient things, the self-sacrifices. Which, I, what a perfect sponsor for me because I'm a self-seeker, a self-server, a selfish guy by nature, a guy who left alone will only do what I feel like doing. And I had a sponsor that just would have none of that. And he pushed me into service and he pushed me into 12-step work. And he, uh, before I even understood anything about the traditions other than they were some set of rules for fanatical members of AA that hung on the wall, before I even understood anything about him, he spoon-fed them to me. And I didn't even know that he was feeding me the 12 traditions. He would, because uh, when, when I got sober, you know, I was a, a child of the 70s, you know, and everybody that I knew 
uh, every alcoholic I knew at the time, we did a lot of drugs. So I, and I've been to a lot of treatment centers. So I was an ANDA, you know, because I was taught that in treatment to say I'm an ANDA. And he told me, he, he said, we don't care. He said, there's, he said, in Alcoholics Anonymous in Las Vegas, we got guys with depression problems, gambling problems, prostitution problems, drug problems. Are you an alcoholic? That's all, the, that's all that matters here. And I, I thought, I'm, and he taught me to, what it was to be an alcoholic. And I am an alcoholic. And like every other alcoholic, uh, I didn't want to be an alcoholic. I'd rather be anything than an alcoholic. I'll, I'll be a mental health case because you get pills and sympathy. I'll be a drug addict because there's rock stars that are drug addicts. I'll be anything other than an alcoholic. But I learned, and the book says we learned, to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. And that is, he, he spoon-fed that to me slowly. And it coupled with, it had to, it had, I had to have the background of seven years of relapsing that ended up in a, in a failed suicide attempt in 1978. So I was an easy buy for that. I was not a hard sell. Um, and, and so he started uh, pushing me into some of this stuff, and I, I made a lot of mistakes. I, in fact, I, there's things I, I did out of ignorance and good in, and good and good intentions. One of my problems, and when I love what it says in the twelfth tradition about principles before we must place principles before personalities, and it's my personality that I have to put those principles before because my personality wants your approval. My personality doesn't stand for anything. My personality is selfish. My personality is judgmental. My personality would throw half of you out of AA. My, you know, my, my, my person, my, I don't have a good personality by nature. Um, and so uh, to put these principles, and I did a lot of stupid things in early sobriety. I, I remember one time, I did this a couple times before I knew any better. I was at the detox, and I've been going to detoxes every week for over 40 years. And I was at this detox, and I wasn't sober a long time, but not just, I wasn't a newcomer either, but a couple years, a few years, I guess. And I met a guy who came up to me at the detox, and he said to me, he said, oh, he said, I really liked what you shared. And, you know, that I could see that this guy's very intelligent. <laughs> and he said, I really related to you a lot. And would you sponsor me? And I, absolutely. <laughs> well, we started talking, and the guy doesn't drink. He doesn't even like alcohol. He, his whole thing is, is smoking crack cocaine, right? But I did exactly what Bill Wilson says in the pamphlet, Problems Other Than Alcohol. He says what he's talking to people that are sober a while. He's doing exactly what he said don't do. And he says, don't try to make a non-alcoholic into an alcoholic. But he liked me. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And he was like, a, he would be a good, because there are people in my home group that don't like me as much. And he'd be a good <laughs> member of my home group, right? I mean, really. I mean, you know. And so I, I see, here's what I said to him. This is so stupid looking back. 
I said to him, well, if you drank enough, you'd probably end up an alcoholic, wouldn't you? Right? And he just looked at me like, I don't know. Right? So I did what I do. I, you know, I got him involved in H&I. I got, I, I got him involved in my home group. He started going to, you know, if, if I sponsor you, you sponsor people. If I sponsor you, you'd have commitments. If I sponsor you, you probably are going to have some H&I meetings. You're going to help others. And he did all of that. And he, he ended up sponsoring several guys. And then probably five or six years sober, he got married. And his sponsees were all at the wedding, and they all got to see him have a glass of champagne with impunity. Because when he drinks alcohol, it means nothing to him. When he drank, drinks alcohol, he could take it or leave it alone. The problem is all the guys he sponsored, some of them never trusted AA again. And so I didn't. And, and let me tell you something. I didn't encourage him to come, instead of going to CA, to come to AA. Because out of malice, I, I did it because I didn't know any better. And my ego was involved. Because of my, I heard a guy say this a few years ago. He said he thought his first drug of choice was people's, other people's approval. Yeah, right? And I didn't do it out of malice. I did it because I, out of ignorance. But when it comes to alcoholism, I, I often suspect that ignorance is as is, is deadly or can be as rebellion. You know, what's the guy who says, I'm not going to work those steps and I'm not going to do any of this stuff. And the guy who doesn't even know to do it, they both don't do it. And they both suffer equally because the, the actions of Alcoholics Anonymous don't care what you think about them. They only care if you do them. And um, a couple other mistakes. Oh, I could go. I could just I could talk the whole hour just on my mistakes. <laughs> Uh, but I'll tell you something, we, we learned, and I, I speak for myself, I learned from my mistakes, which is really novel because there was, a there was many years in my life I couldn't learn from my own mistakes. And you see it, you see it in inventories sometimes where you, you just, especially in, in sex inventories where guys are doing the same thing over and over and over. And it's, 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 it's an inventory of an idiot who doesn't, who doesn't understand he's repeating the same thing over and over again, right? And I, uh, the great thing about Alcoholics Anonymous is not only do I learn, uh, I, can, I can learn from my mistakes, I can often learn from yours if I'm awake and I try to internalize experientially what happened to you and see how it could happen to me, put myself in your shoes. Uh, but it's a work in progress, and uh, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't sponsor anyone very well in any of the legacies for quite a few years. You know, the, in our book it says you, can only, you can't transmit something you haven't got, and that's true. I, I was sober a, a couple of years before I even understood the steps on the book. And, and that's not that I hadn't done things in the steps. I, you know, I was close to a year sober. I wrote my first fourth step, 
And I wrote it the way a lot of people in the 70s wrote it. It, it was, this is pre-Joe and Charlie. This is, so we, we used to write life stories, you know, 40 pages of everything you were ashamed of. And you were honest. You were as honest as you could possibly be. All the dark secrets, everything. But it wasn't transformational. You know, I, nothing. And you can't transmit something you haven't got. And sponsorship is such an amazing thing because... God will work through the people you're helping to help you. And I remember I'd, I'd heard, it was probably late, maybe late 80 or early 81, maybe, I think. And I'd heard my first set of cassettes that came from the International on Joe and Charlie. And I remember listening to them. And my home group was a big book group. And I was listening to this, that big Joe and Charlie thinking to myself, what book are they talking about? Because I go to a big book study, right? I was like, what are, this is, I'm like looking in the book and, and uh, blew my mind. And I started becoming a guy who, I, and it's, I'd always read the book, but they showed me how to read the book, right? In a different, whole different way. And right after that, I was sponsoring a guy. And now I hadn't gone back and done the steps that, the fourth step out of the big book yet. And I was sponsoring a guy, and I really wanted to help this guy. I, he suffered from a lot of resentments. And he had done a lot of things to get free of them, a lot of things in therapy, a lot of gestalt. And uh, nothing worked for him. And I sat down with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I, we went through chapter 5, and I got him to do everything that it said in there. When it said, list, he listed. When it said, ask, he asked. When it said, realize, he realized. And, and we went through, when it said, put aside, you know, putting out of your mind what, you know, we did everything that it said in there. And it, it was transformational for him. And I learned, it's so funny how God works. I learned how to do a fourth step because I'm going to need to do one pretty quick here because I'm suffering from untreated alcoholism in sobriety going to 15 meetings a week. But I learned how to do a fourth step by helping a guy do a fourth step. The, the Hindus have an old saying that the student doesn't learn the lesson until he becomes a teacher. And uh, one of the great gifts my first sponsor gave me is he pushed me into sponsoring people. I tried to get out of it. No, because I, and it wasn't, but I said, I remember saying this to him, I, remember, I hope I never forget this conversation. He's pushing me into doing 12-step calls and H&I and all this other stuff, and I work with others, help others, help others. And I was new. I was only like a week out of detox. And I, I said to him, I said, well, you know, I know what you're saying, but, you know, I'd been worked as a, in the field for a while, and I was, had, went to a lot of psychiatrists, psychologists. So I said to him, with that background, I said, well, don't you think I should work on me for a while? And he, re he re back gave me the funniest look. He said, you've done quite enough of that. Stop it. <laughs> right? And what a, great, what a great messenger God had sent me that he pushed me into the one action that more, more than anything I've ever done in my sobriety will grow me. I, I'm absolutely convinced that the, the helper gets the help here. And, and that is, has been my experience, absolutely. 
And I, uh, I got, you know, he, he, cause he was a past delegate and he still went to all the area assemblies and the process and, and, uh, for, you know, we didn't have the forums yet, but he's still involved in general service and he pushed me to do that. And I spent nine years in general service and I loved it. Uh, my, our, my, one of my very close friends who later became one of the legendary trustee, Ruth J. Ruth tasked me when she, I was, I was DCM and she was, I forget if she was either area chairman or delegate, I'm not sure. She tasked me with putting on a 12 concept service manual, two hour a week study group. That's a real crowd pleaser. <laughs> Five or six brow-beaten GSRs, you know what I mean, you know, right? one, one or two sponsees that don't want to be there, you know. <laughs> but I got to tell you something, truly, in, in this, I didn't understand for quite some time what I would get out of doing that. There's, there's things I got out of that that um, seven or eight years ago when we were putting the bylaws together, for my for my present home group, after the after the death of the previous home group, I could pull things from my experience from that service manual, and put them into application and and suggest them. Not to, I don't, I don't run the deal, but I could put them out before the steering committee and say, I think this is something that, and I could say why because it here's what it says in the concept or here's what it says in the long form of the traditions or, I I had. It wasn't me, it was principles before, it wasn't my personality, it wasn't what I wanted, it wasn't my will. And I had, and, and that was all as a result of, of Ruth just uh, in pushing me. She said, somebody needs to do, one of the DCMs, need, you need to do this. And I got a lot out of it. I don't know if anybody else ever got anything out of that. Yeah. Two hours every Sunday afternoon. I'll tell you, there were days, if there's Sunday mornings, I'd go, oh. I got to go over to that stairway club and go in that back room and read the service manual and the concepts and try to get people interested and talk about them and try to get discussion going. And, but it was great for me, truly. Um, I was sober uh, a long time before I started really understanding the significance of the 12 traditions for personal application. You know, I got, I got, a, I got a bad ego. And I don't, and you know, when the big book says that we're extreme examples of self will run right, though we usually don't think so. Oh my God, how did they know? <laughs> I'm not, but I can see that you are. You know, I'm, I'm that guy, right? And, and so... And, and I would study the traditions intellectually because one of my favorite things to do was to go to a meeting and find someone who had broken a tradition. Oh, it was like Christmas. <laughs> See, I'm a, I'm a funny guy like that. I love, I love rules. I just don't think they apply to me, right? I, I think 55 mile an hour speed limit's a great idea, but I'm in a hurry. Right? I always find I'm the they're good for you. I mean, we'd have chaos in the world without rules. 
but I'm such a special case. And, uh, you know, the steps are designed somewhat to carry out the decision in step three. I mean, that's evidentiary. That's what we do. That's what it's all about. And yet, I think it only takes you so far. When I started per used looking at the, the 12 traditions, and especially in the original version written by Wilson, not the, not the abbreviated version written by the guy from Chicago, Earl Treat, but the original version, and I started looking at Wilson's original intentions and started asking myself the right questions, like, what would I look like? What would I look like in my job? What would I look like in my relationships? What would I look like in my home group if I really came at all of these things as if the welfare of all of the, other, the others was more important than me? What if I really was willing to put myself on the, on the back burner and make you first and me last? What would that look like? How would I show up? How would I engage in this business meeting, in this conversation, in this interaction with you if I was that guy that was living that? And how would I, uh, how would I approach Alcoholics Anonymous and my very life if I believed the, tw the second tradition? What if, I, what if I went to meetings? What if I went to anywhere, Starbucks, anywhere where some of us get together? And what if I was awake enough to listen for God? What if I discovered that it's true that God will express himself through, as Carl Jung used to call, call it, the collective? What if that he'll express himself through this group conscience? And I'll tell you something. I absolutely know that is to be true. I, I, I bet you God has spoke to me through strangers in an AA meeting a couple hundred times, if not a thousand times. Especially, I've, I've gotten kind of used to it. But I, in the beginning, it was mind-blowing. Go to some meeting, and you're, all, you're jacked up. Your life's all messed up. And some stranger's talking about what you need to hear. Who's that choreographer? That, who had that guy say that just then? And I started to see that God shines through this thing that we call a group. He shines through it for us and through us. And do I respect that? Do, do, I, do I go to a meeting? Do I have a, a feeling of reverence? And, and, and the thing, the point of all of this is that I can't, I can't expect anyone I sponsor to be any better at this than the way I demonstrate it through my actions. So you know what I do when I go to meetings is I'm, I try to sit still. I try to be quiet. I don't. I don't get on my phone. Uh, and the reason will uh, the reason is, I may I may think the speaker is boring. <laughs> he may not have anything for me. Matter of fact, I just wish he would quit. <laughs> but the guy sitting next to me, and, and him and the speaker are brought, being brought together by divine appointment, and he's saying exactly what this new guy next to me needs to hear. 
You know, I, I know that. So, do you ever, you ever take a new guy to a meeting, and you're have, you're in the meeting as a speaker meeting. You're in the meeting, and you go, "Oh man, I should have never brought him here." <laughs> that guy does not know what he's talking about. This is a bad introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous. And after the meeting, the guy goes, "Oh my God, that was exactly what I need to hear." And it's like, what? Or I've had this happen a dozen times. I bet you Debbie's had this too. I bet you a lot of you had this. Do you ever have somebody after? I used to defend myself against this thing I thought wasn't the truth, but I don't. I just I don't say nothing anymore. People come up to you after a meeting and they'll start thanking you for something you didn't say, but they heard. No, I mean that happens quite a bit. Oh, when you said such and such, man, that's exactly what I need to hear. Thank you. Not only didn't I say it, I don't even believe it. I would never say that. <laughs> right? But, but that's exactly what they needed to hear, you know? The group, God shows up here. So I encourage the people I sponsor, I, don't be on your phone. Listen. Try to be awake. I know, it, you know when you're new, I mean, most of us have the attention span of an orange. I mean, yeah, I get that. But, but to, 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 there's listening is something that we develop in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I try to get the guys I sponsor to li listen. Pretend God's got something to say to you through the people sharing in the meeting. Because you know something? I think he does. Listen. And why am I here? And I, I'll tell you, I, sometimes I think we forget. I do. I don't mean to, but I get, I get caught up in my life. And why am I here? Why do I, I still go to a lot of meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a great, it's a, it's a, it's a great well to, to fish in for new people. It's a great place to go to get renewed. I go there to see people I sponsor sometimes. I, I go there to look for people to help. I, I go there to listen sometimes. I, I still go to a lot of meetings. I, I probably go to, I don't know, seven, six, seven a week. Now, people tell me all the time, oh, you're sober over 40 years. You don't need to go to that meeting. I, yeah, you're probably right. Because I sponsor a lot of guys, I have to set the bar for them. And if I, if I'm, if I start only going to one meeting a week, you know something? How can I expect them to do any better than that? And what if they only go to one meeting a week and maybe it was one or two meetings not enough? What if they drank again? And I was their example. And I was their example. So I, re I come to Alcoholics Anonymous and I participate. I'm an everyday member because of the membership requirement in the long form of the third tradition. Membership should include all who suffer from alcoholism. I suffer from alcoholism, but it's a chronic treatable disease. On a good day, I don't, I don't feel like I'm suffering. I don't feel like I'm suffering at all. I feel pretty good. I got, my life's great. I feel lit up. But if I quit doing AA for a little while, I will start to suffer from alcoholism and I will see that you do too. <laughs> because it will be your fault. You know what I mean? It just will be. I'll just start, no the noticer comes on. You know, the noticer. Uh, uh, 
And so I, I go to, I still go, I, I suffer from alcoholism. I don't kid myself about that. The delusion that I'm like other people or presently maybe after 40 years of sobriety, you'd think, it's been smashed in me. I've never, I never, I never changed the game plan here. Um, I won't. Um, if, if, if the guys I sponsor, they, uh, I think every, everyone I sponsor sponsors someone, or if they don't, they're, it's because they're new and they're stepping up and it's just a matter of time because I tell them the procedure. It's a really simple procedure. Anyone can sponsor people. You just have to step up. And remember that we don't, it's, the ego tells us, well, I'll just wait to, for someone to realize how wonderful I am <laughs> and ask me. Well, Bill, Bill Wilson didn't go to see Dr. Bob because Dr. Bob asked for help. He didn't ask for help. Matter of fact, he didn't want to even talk to Bill. But he screwed up Mother's Day, and he had, you know, he was guilty. And, uh, and I, uh, I encouraged the guys I sponsored. I said, you've got to find a fishing hole. You know, I go to detoxes. Not the only fishing hole, but it's a good one. I go to detox for the same reason that Willie Sutton robbed banks. He said, well, that's where the money is. <laughs> and I go to detox to look for people to help. And I'll tell guys, I said, look, just chat up a guy. Get around, tell him how important it was for you to have a sponsor because none of us do this thing alone. And if he says he doesn't have a sponsor, step up. Say, look, I'm not trying to push myself on you, but it's important to my recovery to help people. Here's my number. If you'd like to be sponsored, I'd be honored to help you. And, and sometimes when a guy gets his first sponsor, he, he starts panicking. You know, what am I going to do? What if I say the wrong thing? I don't know what to do. I said, don't worry. I'll help you. He said, what if, what if I say the wrong thing? They die. There's a guy in, Calif in Southern California who says, oh, you've got to kill a couple to get good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. Uh, I, but, but it's funny. <laughs> um, and, you know, guys that do that, and they go to one or two meetings with new people every, you know, every week, and they do that, and they step up, it it's never fails that at the end of a year, they got a half dozen guys. Right? And sometimes the most gratifying thing you'll ever see and it really will light you up and propel you to do more of this is when you approach a guy and as you as you offer to help him provide that if he wants it you watch his face change and you start to realize that this guy has been fighting the battle with his own self-centered fear within himself to ask someone and he's too afraid and you just solved his problem what a beautiful thing and I, uh, I'm really, I try to, I try to keep hammering into guys I sponsor the importance of making our primary purpose our primary purpose. And that's not to, that's not to ignore your family, and that's not to ignore your job. You know, some some of us get get incredibly large lives. I mean, I've had at times. I've had a bigger life than anyone ever should have. You know, with, with 25 employees and, and, uh, and I'm 
speaking engagements and two or three hospital institution meetings a week and committees and and, and a relationship and a, you know kid a daughter and the trying to get to the gym and oh my god and it's and i have guys i sponsor that all have these big lives these big robust lives that have some of them now have worked their way up to having these huge multi-million dollar corporations and stuff and it's it's demanding all of it the kids are demanding the wife all of it's demanding and they don't know how they don't know what to do i said listen Imagine that all these things in your life is like you have a pack of dogs. You have to be awake and you feed the one that's barking the most. Sometimes you'll, you'll ignore one because you're feeding another one too much. And that's your, you got to be awake enough to go and feed the other one. The problem with it, and that's a great way to do it because you eventually, you'll take care. It's responding, which is the essence of responsibility, the ability to respond. You're responding to your life. You're awake. The problem is there's one dog that doesn't bark, and that's your alcoholism. It doesn't bark. It just waits patiently. And that's the dog, even when it's quiet, that we have to feed. And I tell, I said, you know, you just, you got certain things that are just uncompromisable here. You got your commitments, your home group, return your phone calls, on and on and on. It's uncompromisable. That doesn't mean you're not going to take care of all the other stuff. But never, ever forget that you suffer from alcoholism. And your primary purpose is not your family, even though it is important. And it's not your company, even though it's right, you're making $5 million a year in your pocket. It's amazing. That's not your primary purpose. Your primary purpose is to help other drunks. You have been divinely crafted by your suffering and failure and misery and shame to help another guy that's just like you. And, and not to forget that. I forgot it for a piece of my sobriety, and I suffered from that. And I, saw, and I had an abundant, I had a tremendous life. I was 19 years sober, and I, God, I was... That one particular year that I sunk, I sunk into a deep depression, and I had I made more money that year than I'll probably ever make in my whole life. I had everything out here, but I started taking little pieces of my spiritual base and flicking them away. Now I never stopped going to meetings, and I never stopped doing my commitments because. The great, one of the great things about the ego is it won't let you go too far because it doesn't want you to look bad. <laughs> so you, it's like, how do, you, how do you stop doing AA and still maintain the bragging rights of a good member? I mean, it's like an art form. Uh, so I never completely backed out of here, and I stayed tethered here enough that it, I was able to hear what I needed to hear as I, as I was suffering from alcoholism as I was fighting this deep depression at 19 years sober. There's a, a one, it's a beautiful thing to, to tether yourself here by commitments, by a home group, by sponsees, by a sponsor. Because I, I believe it is my natural, unconscious inclination to drift out of here. 
I've, and I, the reason I believe that is I felt myself kind of doing it, and I've watched people do it, and they don't know they're leaving. Their life seems to be getting so big that they don't have room for AA anymore. Or even worse, they're not leaving AA. Just all of a sudden, the people in their home group are all stupid. You know what I mean? They're just mo- they're, they're moving out of Alcoholics Anonymous one judgment at a time, right? And so uh, I try to encourage the guys I sponsor to stay on the firing line, you know, to do this stuff. I, I am not a really organized sponsor. I wish I was. God, I, I was with Debbie down in Virginia, and she did a, we were doing workshops, and one of the workshop topics she had was sponsorship. God, I listened to her, and I had to go, I had a couple guys I sponsored, I had to go up to them right afterwards, and I said, listen. <laughs> listen. I'm never going to be that. I'm never going to be. I'm just not. I mean, I, I, I respect it. I think it's wonderful. But my God, I, I, I think I had that ADD before it came out. You know, I, I can't. I'm not going to ever be that organized. I'm just not, you know. Um, but I am the, I am the, I'm a work in progress. And I'm the best sponsor God would have me be up to this point. And I think he's got more in mind for me. Because I, the mistakes, it's the things I've done wrong. Um, I, I, I've, I don't fire people anymore. I will keep asking them to do certain things, and they either do them or they quit me. And either way, my problem's solved. <laughs> and I don't ask them to do anything I'm not doing. I don't ask them to do anything that's, that's not Alcoholics Anonymous. Very simple things. I have a meeting habit. And whatever, whatever your life will allow. And I, I know, and it, it's not quantity. It's approach. It's attitude. I know guys that can only go to two meetings a week that I think are, are d- demonstrating more willingness than guys that go to six or seven meetings a week that are retired that actually could go to 12. But they're going to every one they can go to. And I think that's the. I think that's beautiful. I encourage guys to, to to have a meeting habit. To do service every day. Find something to do for Alcoholics Anonymous every day. If you don't have a, a job, get one. And in the in the interim, before you get one, if you're waiting to get on a panel, if you're waiting to to have the secretary give you a job, if you're waiting in the interim, show up early. Do something. Help the chairs. Uh, clean the bathroom again. You know, it's a, I, every once in a while, the, the guys that come to me and they're they haven't haven't done anything in AA. They're sober twenty five years. They're very successful, big shots. And I said, you need to get a service commitment. And they said, you know, I can speak pretty well. <laughs> I think you got to clean the bathrooms. <laughs> and they look at me like they're offended, right? Uh, but what does Wilson say? You know, he has a, his approach is so perfect. He says that we perfect and enlarge our spiritual life not through speaking, not through pre, not even through prayer meditation. He says it's through self-sacrifice, constant thought of others. 
that we grow by, we grow bigger by being small, by getting smaller. You know, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like the fact that the truth is for 40 years, I've grown spiritually by my willingness to not defend myself and my willingness to be wrong. I've never grown nothing from being right. Because if you could grow from being right, you can bet somewhere in our literature it says, and when we were right, promptly admitted it. <laughs> they don't say that. It's when we were wrong, and we grow from being wrong, because wrong is right-sizing. There is a, you know, there's a tremendous, for, for ego, an egomaniac like myself, who, who at times in my life I'd rather die than look bad. Or I don't want to be wrong. To be wrong, it's ego, as, as Harry Tebow talks about, ego reduction at depth. And I have a lot of conversations with guys I sponsor. Don't defend yourself. It's okay to be wrong. You'll grow from this. You won't grow from defending yourself. You won't grow from explaining yourself. You won't grow from justifying yourself or rationalizing anything. But you will grow. You can do anything you want in Alcoholics Anonymous. I tell this, tell this to guys often. As long as you're able to step up, no matter how grievous the mistake was you made, as long as you can step up in front of your home group and your road dogs and admit it. You can do anything you want in AA as long as you're willing to talk about it in front of your home group, which that eliminates quite a bit, actually, right there. Uh, so... Uh, I, I often, I, I, you know, I, one of the sad, I've thought about this a lot lately, and I don't know how to remedy it. I've tried, I got a couple guys that are getting back in general service, but in the nine years I was in general service, I was a great general service sponsor for guys. It seemed like everybody I sponsored got involved in that. And then, you know, after nine years of that, I, I rotated out, as you're supposed to. I believe in that process of rotation. And I started throwing myself even deeper into hospitals and institutions and, and home group and other activities and alcohol and conventions and things, which is great, which is fine. But very few people I sponsor get into general service anymore. And at one time, a, a lot of people did. So I've been nudging them. I got a couple guys right now. But they haven't... Wa Some of these guys, because I got out of it in the... Um, Still in the 1980s, I did my nine years in the, in the 80s. So a lot of the guys I sponsor that are 20, 25 years sober, they never experienced me when I was active in general service, so they don't emulate that. And I and it's you know they think I'm just trying to get them to do something that because they don't see me doing it. Now I have no problem getting the guys I sponsor to do H and I meetings, to do panels. To, to show up early, to, to have commitments at my home group. They're all on board for that. But I, and I don't, I can't, there's, I don't think there's any way realistically and fairly for me to go back into general service. I would have to take, I would have to take a GSR position from, that I've had, I've done two of those, I, from someone that really should do it, just so that I could be a, being a, have guys watch me. I don't think that's fair. So I keep nudging them. And what I'm hoping for is I'm hoping for one or two of them that are really 
great communicators and very bright lights to get so much out of it as I did that they become a program of attraction, you know, to the other guys I sponsor. Because that's, we, we do a lot from attraction. I know there's a lot of things uh, I've done in Alcoholics Anonymous because my, my first sponsor was a program of attraction and my current sponsor was. I mean, he, he's my current sponsor I've had for 26 years. And he, you know, every time I want to complain, every time I just want to say, you know, I don't even call him up anymore and complain. Because if I call him up and say, you know, I had, to, I had to sleep on the floor of the Dallas airport last week. And I, just, it was, I went to, it was a stupid conference and I didn't even like it. And I just, you know, oh, d- 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 don't ever say that kind of stuff to Clancy. It's like, oh, oh, because he'll have 10 stories where he's suffered more than you have. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, right? It's like, and, and I have to remind, when I, I, I was laying on the floor, just a couple of weeks ago, laying on the floor of the Dallas airport. Uh, and I just thought, well, I get to do this. You know, I get to do this. I don't like it. But what if, if all service in Alcoholics Anonymous was, was Hilton Hotels and, and fun and, you know, social and made you feel good, then I don't think I'd get that much out of it. It's, everyone, it's got it's to be inconvenient sometimes. It's, you know, it's, I think sometimes I just need to know that I went out of my way a little bit for AA, you know? Didn't want to, but I did. And I'm not going to bitch about it. Because for everything you've done for me, that's nothing. What I, what any sacrifice or inconvenience I would experience here is nothing compared to what I've been given here. Nothing. So I, I hope I always keep that perspective. I, I hope I always realize this tremendous gift I've been given. Um, you know, I, I try to tell that none of the guys I sponsor make a dime off of Alcoholics Anonymous. If you, if you, if you get dollar bills in your sign, you want to, in your eyes, and you want to open a recovery house, and if you do the math, I could make. If I had five houses, I could make a million dollars a year. You got to get another sponsor. Because I'm a big advocate of the eighth tradition, as Wilson originally wrote it. Our twelve-step call, our twelve-step work must never be paid for. And if you want to do that, that's fine. That's your decision. That's good. But it doesn't fit with my sponsorship. But there's a lot of guys. You want, you know, if you want to, if you want to make a lot, if you want to be a recovery coach and charge people to sponsor, you know, for you to sponsor, you want to do all that stuff. You can find people that will be advocates of that. Because they're doing it. You know, if you want to cheat on your wife, you'll find wife cheaters that'll be thinking that what you're doing is a good idea, right? But I'm not your guy. Um, it, it, I, I just, I love Alcoholics Anonymous, and I just, I don't know. I, this is my giving spot, and I, if, you're, if I sponsor you, I want this to be your giving place, not your taking place. There's a world out there. You can earn a living, you can make money, you can, you can be successful, you can acquire property, money, prestige, all kinds of stuff. But don't do that here. 
not here. Let this be sacred ground. Understand why Jesus whipped the money lenders in the temple, right? Don't do it here. But that's just me. There's a lot of people that wouldn't agree with that, and, and that's fine. They're entitled to be wrong. That's fine. <laughs> Anonymity. You know, I, uh, we, had, we had a conversation earlier. We've had a conversation. Kent and I have had a conversation. My sponsor and I had a conversation about anonymity. And uh, I really believe in anonymity. I really respect it. But I'm, I feel conflicted at times. When I got up here, I'll tell you, I was sitting there. Honest to God, I was sitting there, and I'm going to only say my first name and last initial. I, I was going to do it. I was all set. I was, and then I was going to be able to say to everybody, say, I did it, I did it. And it came, it's like, it was like, it's like, because I, for 40, well, not 40, I learned in general service that we give our last names in Alcoholics Anonymous. So I've been doing that for 38 years, I guess. I don't know, 39 maybe. And it's, it's a hard habit to break. And why would I want to break it? Why? Because Dr. Bob says that that we shouldn't hide ourselves from ourselves. You know, that the, the added level of anonymity is set at exactly at the public level. Here's the problem with, when, with conferences now today, this is, this is kind of just in the last few years, that are recorded that well-intentioned members of AA with, without a consciousness or even a respect for the traditions will hear an AA speaker that'll make them laugh or they think it's, oh, that guy was amazing. And they'll download that talk without asking anybody. And they download it online. And nobody asks you. And they don't bleep out the last name. That's why I'm trying to get in the habit of not giving my last name at recorded events. Uh, and it's like that. There's a, there's a great comedian who I saw him in, in Vegas one year. He was so funny. Ron White. Have you ever seen Ron? Ron White's hilarious. If he ever got sober, what an amazing AA member he would be. Right? I now, I don't want to pronounce him an alcoholic, but he's, he quacks a lot, I'll tell you. But he's so funny. He's, he, he's told this story about being in this bar, and he got really drunk, right? And he got in a beef with a bouncer, and they threw him out into the outside the bar. Literally, picked him up, threw him out. And he's lying on the pavement where police immediately arrested him, and they arrested him for being drunk in public. And he said, "I wasn't drunk in public. I was drunk in a bar. They threw me into public. Arrest them." Well, that's what I feel like they're doing to us. I'm, I'm being, I'm breaking, I'm giving my last name in the fellowship, and they're throwing me into public. Right? I, I don't know, except that I'm really going to try to not use my last name. Can, can, we've, I've had conversations about this with, for, with a lot of friends and, and people over the, over the last year or two. Because I don't know what to make of it. I, sometimes when it comes to tech, I, uh, I, I guess I must feel like my father 
felt when I played a Jimi Hendrix album for him the first time, you know what I mean, right? Like, uh, I, I, know, I hate to think I'm that guy, but I'm probably that guy, you know, I'm probably that guy. Anonymity is under fire. There's a bunch of, there was a con, uh, consortium of treatment centers that lobbied in. They tried to get movie stars to, who were in recovery to break publicly, break their anonymity and create a lobbying force for more money. This was before Obama released all the money for treatment. And they tried to do that. And they, they, here's what they said. They said anonymity is outdated. It was put in place at a time when alcoholism was stigmatized and people were trying to, afraid people would know. And that's not what anonymity is about. Anonymity is not to protect me from the public. It's to protect me from me. It's to, that, that I would use Alcoholics Anonymous to grandize myself out there. Or to, God, there's people now that are they're six months sober and they're getting their own reality show because they got sober. I mean, how does that happen, right? <laughs> Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. And it's because of it that I'm encouraged to place these principles before my personality. That I have to, it's funny, I, how... You know, you're taking a guy with the, the, the propensity for such ego stuff and you're asking me to continually try to be small against my nature. But just to the extent that I can try to do that and I can, I can remain a servant and not use Alcoholics Anonymous and not grandize myself here, uh, I seem to... I seem to be good on the inside. And good on the inside is the only good that means anything. When I was 19 years sober, I had the richest, most abundant life with the fancy cars and money, and it was great out here, but it wasn't any good in here. And some of you know, no matter how good you get it out here, if it ain't no good in here, I'm telling you, it ain't no good. I expect a lot from the people I sponsor because I love them. People in Alcoholics Anonymous have expected a lot from me because they love me. They wanted more for me than I did. I would have settled. I would have settled and settled and settled and I, I try to be the same person for the people I sponsor. I want more for them than often than they do because I love them. And maybe that's all three legacies when combined as a way of life. Maybe it's just a vehicle to be a little bit better lover. Thanks for listening.